You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, brought to you by Xmark Manufacturing. 30 years of pioneering spirit and innovation have resulted in legendary durability, all-day comfort, and unmatched cut quality. Go check them out at xmark.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 355, entitled Tips for Quoting Lawn Mowing Jobs. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate it, uh, and uh, for all the uh, questions, the comments, and the feedback that you guys have been sending through. Uh, Like I say each and every week, uh, I really do appreciate uh, you guys taking the time out uh, to ask your questions. Uh, and just on a side note on that as well, uh, you know, with um, uh, things like uh, DMs on uh, Instagram and that sort of thing, that uh, if you are sending me a question, uh, just keep in mind as well that, uh, you know, the lawn care season is in full swing. And uh, at times I am uh, running around uh, uh, like a chicken with his head cut off, uh, you know, between uh, the podcast and uh, uh, trying trying to create the content uh, daily for you guys, uh, as well as uh, YouTube videos. And then, of course, uh, running the lawn care business uh, is uh, the uh, number one priority uh, at the moment, especially in the spring rush of it. So, uh, you know, if you're sending a message and I don't get back to you uh, right away, uh, just um, know that uh, I do get go through them eventually and try to uh, get back to everybody who sends uh, a question. Uh, also, uh, for uh, reviews uh, this week, I uh, had another review, and I really do appreciate uh, those uh, of you that uh, do uh, take that extra effort and uh, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, this week's uh, originates from the United States. It's a five-star review uh, from uh, somebody uh named uh, Vanessa Jade and says, uh, inspiring. This podcast is so inspiring. Me and my husband uh, just started our own lawn care business and we really love listening to this podcast. So uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Vanessa Jade, for uh, leaving a review. Uh, and uh, thank you and your husband for uh, listening to the podcast. I'm glad you guys uh, get value uh, from uh, the episodes. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, fantastic. And uh, like I say, uh, you know, single most uh, important thing you guys can do uh, to uh, sort of uh, spread awareness and uh, show uh, your love of the podcast is to uh, drop a review, uh, first and foremost, on iTunes. But if you can't do it on iTunes, then uh, on any of the other uh, platforms that you listen to as well uh, would be fantastic. So uh, this week, before we get into uh, tips for coding lawn, lawn mowing jobs, and I thought obviously that is a uh, you know very timely uh, topic uh, because uh, you know the spring rush is kicking off. Uh, this is uh, that uh, time of year where the majority of your lawn mowing jobs 
are going to be uh, coming uh, through uh, with people uh, requesting quotes. I know uh, my phone is uh, uh, going off each and every day uh, with uh, you know people uh, requesting a quote. So uh, that is uh, obviously uh, fantastic uh, for uh, after, especially you know, a long uh, winter break to uh, you know be back into the swing of things. Uh, that last month uh, here uh, of April uh, was uh, quite uh, the rush uh, for me, uh, going from basically, you know, that winter off, uh, then having sort of a delayed start in March with all of the excessive wet weather and stuff that we had, uh, and then getting into April was just like, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour, uh, just going after it. And, uh, you know, it uh, turned out to be a fantastic month revenue wise. Uh, so that was uh, good to see uh, as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, especially after, uh, like I said, that uh, uh, long winter break uh, to just uh, hit the ground running uh, 100% there. So uh, fantastic. Hopefully you guys all uh, had a great uh, April month as well. Uh, and uh, before we, uh, like I said, uh, get into uh, tips for lawn mowing jobs, I wanted to just um, uh, share along uh, some of my experience here uh, with that Milwaukee battery power stuff If uh, for those of you guys that are following along. Uh, now, uh, just a disclaimer, I'm not uh, sponsored by Milwaukee or anything like that. You guys may be thinking that uh that's why I'm talking about stuff. It's uh, cl- just surely and sort solely for my own um, reference of just seeing how this stuff uh, does and how uh, it works. Uh, so um, I wanted to talk about uh, just my, uh, you know, first experience with the uh, doing a really intensive job with the edger attachment. Uh, I think I talked briefly about the edge attachment before uh, in a previous episode, possibly, uh, but with uh, I had a chance on Friday, uh, this past Friday, um, to actually uh, do a really overgrown uh, edge uh, with uh, the machine. And uh, just in general, um, the machine has been, uh, and actually, it was, I think it was uh, Thursday that I did it, uh, just a correction there. But um, the machine, uh, the quick lock attachment system, along with uh, the regular uh, trimmer, uh, I've got the generation, the first generation, like standalone trimmer, plus the quick lock attachment series version. Uh, so I use the, uh, obviously, the edger attachment in the quick lock version, uh, but I use uh, for like the, all the trimming and stuff like that, I use the standalone uh, trimmer. Uh, it's a bit uh, lighter weight, uh, and I really like that first generation. It's got a smaller uh, guard on it, and you guys know, you know, I like keeping the guards and stuff on um uh, my trimmers and stuff and the guard on the first generation more uh, resembles uh, like an echo um, g- gas trimmer guard versus uh, the quick lock has more of a steel uh, guard where it's um, kind of a much wider uh, guard. And I prefer that uh, uh, that first generation uh, version of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was able to do a... Uh, overgrown edge uh, on a new client uh, that signed up and um, you know I charge extra to do the edge the first time uh, if they want me to uh, do edging as part of the mowing and we'll get into that with uh, tips for quoting lawn mowing jobs Uh, but yeah I was able to do this edge um, quite overgrown uh, through the those front sidewalks uh, then uh, 
the driveway sides uh, on either side of the driveway. And then uh, in the backyard, there was this um, like a patio or a pool deck. Uh, so it was an in-ground swimming pool. And then this like concrete, uh, you know, pool deck around that surrounds the pool. And then the grass was overgrown over that uh, by quite a bit. It was thick and uh, a few inches overgrown. Uh, and uh, it just performed outstandingly. Uh, I am in complete uh, shock uh, that uh, the unit works so well, uh, especially considering uh, when I went and first picked up that Milwaukee blower at the about at the Home Depot a couple weeks ago. I was also looking at the edger attachment, and I decided not to buy it at the time because. I just, you know, I just thought, you know, it's probably going to be uh, underpowered. I'm not, you know, no real basis on that because everything else has performed really well. But just thinking, you know, it's digging into the soil. It's um, all that, uh, that it's probably not going to be powerful enough. It's only 18 volt. And I think part of that is because all the competitors are all like 56 volt and uh, 80 volt and all these like uh, much higher numbers and voltage. And it's easy to confuse uh, or, you know, understand what all that means. Um, but, uh, you know, the machine itself, uh, being only 18 volt, uh, was kind of, uh, thinking that it was going to be underpowered, but, you know, I, I wanted to try it and the attachment itself, the construction quality of the attachment, it's heavy. Um, it is an equal, uh, I would say build quality to, um, like an echo, uh, trimmer attachment or sorry edger attachment or a steel edger attachment like no difference there it is very good quality uh so i was uh, pretty impressed with that when you put it on the the uh quick lock system it becomes very heavy uh, the combination of the two so very similar to uh you know a gas powered uh, like combi system with an edger attachment on it uh, but the, the whole, the story here is the power. Uh, I was just shocked. Uh, and I thought after that, you know, I shouldn't really be shocked because, you know, um, Milwaukee makes a bunch of, you know, circular saws and stuff like that that are 18 volt and they have the power to cut through, uh, wood and logs. And I've used the chainsaw that has, you know, I've cut, you know, tree logs, uh, with the chainsaw and that's 18 volt and stuff. So, you know, after I started thinking about it, I was like, hey, of course it's going to have enough power uh, to just cut, you know, a lawn edge. Uh, but yeah, it just sliced through. It was not an issue. I got some footage, recorded some video. So I'm going to put together a video uh, on that uh, that'll be coming soon uh, to show off uh, that exact job that I'm talking about. Uh, but what was more astounding was I had done the whole day of mowing and I take the, uh, like all of my batteries with me. So I have the three nine amp hour batteries, the 12 amp hour battery. And then a three amp hour battery that I take just in case. So normally for the trimming through my whole day, um, I use the two nine amp hour batteries. Uh, the third nine amp hour battery is actually an older battery and it doesn't actually hold a full charge anymore. Um, so it doesn't actually do very well that the third battery, but I throw that on the edger, uh, to just do some, uh, when I'm like doing, um, just some regular edging where it's not like overgrown or something. And I'm just redefining some edges and stuff. I've been using that and it's been fine holding, uh, you know, enough power to get through a day of doing just some quick edges here and there. Uh, and then, uh, the 12 amp hour battery, of course, goes on the blower. And then, uh, the three amp hour battery, I just keep as just sort of like a backup spare, uh, just in case. And, uh, it was interesting that day, that Thursday, cause I did all my mowings, my big properties, the big farm property, all that sort of stuff, got through the batteries, uh, 
uh, you know, was done um, with the trimming. I think I had, uh, when I got to this, I left this house for last to do the edging. Uh, so I got there at the end of the day, I had like one bar left um, on the uh, second nine amp hour battery on the trimmer. I had about two bars left on uh, the 12 amp hour battery on the blower. And uh, of course I had the three amp hour battery was fully charged still. And then that um, uh, nine amp hour battery, that third one that I have on the um, edger, uh, that one was full, but of course it's not a, a battery that is uh, in good shape anymore. So I, you know, went to go do these edges and I got uh, one side of the pool deck uh, almost completely done uh, with that first battery. It was just slicing through, slicing through, and then uh, that battery just died right away. Uh, that third uh, battery that doesn't, uh, isn't in uh, great health. Uh, so then uh, what was interesting was like, okay, well now I've got, uh, you know, I've only got, um, you know, one nine amp hour battery left that has like a one bar on it. Uh, so I went and swapped that out for that one. And, uh, you could tell right away the difference in the battery health, even though it only had one bar on it, it did way uh, better. Uh, so it was able to cut uh, the whole other uh, part of uh, the pool uh, deck or the other side of it uh, without issue. Uh, I was able to do uh, the front uh, part uh, with it as well. Uh, and then uh, I needed to uh, do the driveway and it got a little bit done with the driveway. Then it finally, uh, that battery finally um, uh, ended. So then uh, I had to use uh, the three amp hour battery. And with the three amp hour battery, I was able to then uh, finish off uh, the entire driveway without any issue. And I didn't even have to touch uh, the 12 amp hour battery that I still had two bars with uh, on the blower and was able to blow everything off and, and clean it all up. So it was actually quite remarkable uh, to get through the whole day doing all of my mowing, including all of the large properties that I do, the farm property and all that stuff, uh, all on battery power uh, trimming, uh, then to, uh, and with blowing uh, all day long um, with a 12 amp hour battery. And that's another <clears throat> success story I'm, uh, you know, going to call it uh, because, uh, you know, a 12 amp hour battery uh, to be able to do uh, on the blower has been working fantastically to just put it on there and not have to worry about uh, running out of power all day long. Uh, it just, uh, and I always have the blower on the full like rabbit mode. Uh, you can have the turtle or rabbit turtle for sort of energy savings. And I always do the trimming on turtle mode now just to, uh, you know, save energy and uh, it just uh, has more than enough power on turtle doing weekly uh, mowing. It's, you know, if I had to do like overgrown grass or something like that, then I would put it on rabbit. But for a regular weekly cut, the turtle mode is fine. So I use those two batteries gets me, uh, you know, no problem uh, through the day. And I, I will switch the battery. Like when I get on that Thursday, I got to my large property. I had one bar left on the first battery uh, and I swapped out the battery just because it's a large property. I don't want to run out of battery when I'm on the other side of the property and have to walk back to the, tr back to the truck. So I just swapped out the battery. And then, you know, I finish off the day normally and there's still battery to spare. So it's, it's been quite fantastic, uh, so far. Uh, my biggest, uh, uh, pet peeve uh, with the battery stuff is that, uh, at least with the Milwaukee stuff is that it's just not rated for the rain. So, uh, but other than that, um, that edger attachment just blew my mind, uh, that uh, it was able to, 
just like not an issue. Like n- I was not missing uh, not having uh, the gas-powered uh, edger with me uh, to do this job with overgrown edges. Uh, it was just uh, fantastic. So yeah, it's just I've been super impressed uh, with how well uh, the stuff has been working. So. Uh, so, uh, this week's episode, uh, is uh, tips for quoting uh, lawn mowing jobs. So I'm just going to take uh, a quick break. We'll play, uh, this week's ads, uh, sponsored ads. And then, uh, that way we can get into, uh, the episode, uh, without, uh, any interruptions, uh, right after this. So stay tuned. In lawn care today with the right equipment, you can do jobs quickly and correctly. Hi, Jonathan Guineri here. As a product manager at Z Turf Equipment, I'm focused on innovations that help you get jobs done faster without sacrificing the quality your customers expect. From our acclaimed Z Spray spreader sprayers to our Z Aerate line and beyond, you can do more in less time. Visit zturfequipment.com today to learn more about our innovative line of products. Okay, so this week I want to talk about tips from uh, quoting lawn mowing jobs. Obviously, a timely uh, topic to be talking about here uh, in the spring. Uh, so, uh, you know, this come up, comes about because a lot of you guys uh, listening are just starting out your lawn care businesses, and uh, quoting jobs is, uh, you know, one of the most daunting tasks uh, you're going to come up uh, against, uh, especially when you're just starting out and you don't know where to begin. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, the overall uh, or overwhelming theme here, for at least in my first point, uh, is to know your numbers. Of course, if you've watched YouTube videos uh, from anybody, um, you know, worth uh, their, uh, you know, uh, knowledge or anything like that, uh, I don't know what the term would be uh, to describe that, but uh, uh you know, they're going to be saying the same thing to you. Anybody who knows their stuff in lawn care is going to tell you, uh, and any business, uh, you know, in general is to know your numbers. You have to know uh, what uh, it costs you to operate your business and how much you need to charge on an hourly basis as a reference point uh, to base your jobs on uh, to be profitable, to be able to make this whole thing worth it. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- this is going to be uh, one of the most important things uh, you're going to uh, need to uh, learn and be able to do. Now, as mentioned uh, in previous podcasts, of course, uh, if you don't know how to, uh, you know, uh, come across or uh, figure out, um, you know, knowing your numbers or what that all means. Uh, I do have a uh, course, uh, an online course uh, that I put together on my Lawn Care Business uh, Success Academy. You can find that on lawncarebusinesssuccess.com. Uh, just go to the Academy page and uh, it's uh, under the uh, How to Price Lawns Profitably course. Uh, and uh, I go over a section there of uh, you know knowing your numbers and how to come up with your uh, profitably uh, or profitable hourly rate uh, that you can use to then base your um, uh, lawn mowing uh, quotes on. So that is the first step. Now, of course, if you uh, you know knowing your numbers. Uh, 
and calculating that hourly rate is going to be based on a lot of, uh, you know, knowing exactly what uh, certain things are costing you, how much fuel uh, is costing you, uh, cell phone bills. There's a lot of uh, different factors there. And in the beginning, in that first year in business, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you're not going to have enough uh, feedback or enough uh, data to be able to calculate those numbers uh, right away, especially if you're just starting out like today and you haven't done any lawn mowing jobs yet, you haven't done anything uh, then you're not going to have that data to base that on, like how much fuel you're going through and all that sort of stuff. So as you uh, go uh, through the weeks and months and years in your business, you have to constantly be revisiting that knowing your numbers and constantly be recalculating it based on the latest information that you have. The more information that you have, the better you will be at being able to uh quote jobs. And that's why it's so important not to so much worry about what your competition is charging and why it doesn't really matter, you know, when a customer uh, will come up to you and you give them a price and they say, well, the last guy did it for this much. It doesn't matter what the last guy did it for. Uh, It may matter to the client, uh, but why is the last guy not doing it anymore? Did they go out of business? Uh, you know, there's a good chance that they did because they didn't know their numbers because they were charging uh, not enough uh, to be uh, sustainable and profitable in their business. So you, there's, you know, so much uh, emphasis on that part of it. Without knowing your numbers, uh, then, you know, you are uh, basically, uh, you know, going at this blind and, you know, if you're just basing your price on what others around you are charging without knowing if they even know their numbers or if their business model is the same or, you know, what the case may be, then it's the blind leading the blind. And uh, you don't want to, to get into a situation like that. So know your numbers. You're going to have to figure out what your profitably profitable hourly rate is. Uh, to be able to base uh, your uh, lawn mowing jobs on. So now the next point that I want to bring up uh, when it comes to uh, quoting lawn mowing jobs and all these things I'm going to be discussing is all things, uh, just sort of the train of thought, things you need to think about before you even, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, put a price on uh, a paper or quote a customer, right? So this year, of course, we are in sort of an unprecedented time um, with uh, fuel prices uh, and all of that. So the, the the next point that I would bring up, uh, something to think about, is once you know your numbers and, you know, your numbers are going to be based on, um, you know, a particular uh, fuel uh, cost or how much fuel you're going through. But what happens if mid-season that fuel price goes up uh, and throws that, uh, you know, all out of whack. And you can't, you know, go then uh, and re-quote clients halfway through the season. So what I would suggest uh, that you start thinking about as well is at what threshold 
of pricing for fuel, uh, do you start to have a fuel surcharge? And do you want to have a fuel surcharge? And this is something um, that if you think about it in advance, you can then include in your quote uh, to let customers know, hey, this is your price for mowing lawns. Uh, but at some point, because, you know, fuel prices have been so volatile. So if at some point fuel gets to this price or beyond, then a, you know, fuel surcharge of such and such will be added to your mowing. So, you know, it could be like, um, you know, for me here in the Pacific Northwest uh, and in Canada, you know, fuel sold by the leader. So for, for, for example, Fuel has been hovering around, uh, you know, the $2 mark. Sometimes it's below $2. Uh, sometimes it's uh, above $2. Uh, this morning it was $2.05 uh, per liter. Uh, so, you know, uh, this time last year, gas was probably in the $1.40 uh, per liter range. So there's a big discrepancy there. Uh, and it has slowly climbed up. Uh, now with, uh, you know, the war in Ukraine and stuff like that, making everything else more volatile uh, with fuel prices and stuff, supply and demand, all that sort of stuff, uh, fuel has been, you know, jumping past that $2 range. So for me, I could do something like saying, you know, um, you know, uh, and I did, uh, you know, raise prices across the board because again, fuel has been, um, you know, uh, ridiculously expensive. It's gone up so much just this year uh, from last year. It's like a 40% increase in fuel from uh, this time last year. So, you know, I did give everybody a price increase, but that's going to top out at some point where that even that is not enough. So for me, I could do something like, for example, saying, you know, this is the price for this year for your mowing. But if gas goes over $2 a liter, then an additional, you know, uh, uh, $2 per cut, for example, uh, will be added fuel surcharge uh, for each cut sort of thing, right? And then um, for uh, weeks where the price drops back down under $2, then there's no fuel surcharge uh, sort of uh, added to uh, their prices. So just something to think about uh, in advance before you even get into it, because this is very important into not uh, messing up uh, and, uh, you know, messing up your profit uh, margins and stuff, because uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff this year uh, that is out of all of our control. And uh, you can only control what you can control. And one of those things you can control is whether or not you have a policy in place to implement fuel surcharges. So just something to think about. So given you starting out, if you have absolutely zero experience and you have no history and no data and nothing to base your profitable hourly uh, rate on uh, that you're going to be then using to calculate uh, and estimate, uh, you know, what to charge people. Uh, I would say uh, as a rule of thumb, uh, to start out at a minimum of $60 per hour for a solo operation. So that equals basically a dollar per minute. That's sort of your starting point of what you want to be charging. $60 an hour, a dollar per minute, and then adjust from there, um, 
you know, based on your actual real numbers. Once you start getting real data in, in your first month, your second month, your third month in, all that sort of stuff, your first year in, then you can use your actual, um, you know, costs of what it actually costs you, how much you actually spent in fuel and cell phone bills and all that stuff. You calculate all of that and then you can figure out, you know, what it actually costs you uh, to figure out uh, your, uh, you know, uh, profitable hourly uh, rate. Uh, but until that point, uh, when you're just starting up from scratch, you know, a lot of us, uh, will not make any money when you're first starting out. Uh, you know, that uh, you're going to underbid jobs, you're going to uh, make a lot of mistakes uh, and hard lesson, uh, particularly uh, much harder uh, in times like these when fuel is so expensive, uh, you know, uh, to get out there and uh, to be working for free, basically. So I would start out at at least $60 per hour just as a sort of uh, starting out point if you're a solo operator uh, getting out there uh, and uh, then figure out from there as you get that uh, data. So the next thing uh, that I do um, when a call comes in and people want me to uh, do a quote is I always, always try to uh, go out there and do a quote, uh, you know, live, like go out and actually see the property, walk the property. There's a lot of, of course, you know, uh, Google Maps uh, with Street View and all that stuff. And I use that as a tool uh, preliminarily uh, when a call comes in, uh, when I get that address, uh, you know, usually uh, most of my uh, calls come in uh, over the internet on my website. So people are sending a request uh, using the like uh, free estimate form on my website. So I, I've already got all of their information, phone number, address, all that sort of stuff. So I l- first thing I do is look up the property, look up the neighborhood, where it is, how close it is to other clients that I'm already mowing there. I check out the street view and get a quick look at it right there. Now, if I'm really familiar with the property, um, for example, you know, if it's... Uh, a neighborhood, a street that I'm already mowing and it's like neighbor, a neighbor's house. And like I say, a lot of these neighborhoods that I work into, they're like these little small shoebox homes, these little cookie cutter type property sizes and stuff. I will sometimes then just quote based on looking at the street view uh, and then the overhead satellite image of it because I know that yes, you know, the landscaping will be different and that sort of stuff. But when you're talking about properties that are uh, so small with maybe, you know, a thousand square feet of grass, uh, then it really doesn't make a difference whether, you know, there's uh, uh, some extra trimming or things like that. It's it's all going to be in that sort of uh, ballpark. So I'm familiar with those. But with uh, in neighborhoods where I'm not familiar with it or uh, if I have no other clients, uh, that sort of thing, then I will go definitely and, and always try to look at it first. Uh, because a lot of times too, uh, something to consider is with street view and things like that. Sometimes those photos can be delayed. They can be years old already. And some of the things that you may not see in the street view, like the maturity of trees and stuff may not be showing where then you get there and, uh, you know, 
there could be some some major changes uh, that have happened since then. So always try to go in person uh, and take a look. Uh, like I said, the only time I use a street view is if I recognize the house as uh, you know a house uh, that's on the same street or a few doors down from one that I'm already doing, and uh, I already know that uh, you know what it sort of looks like. And then I just use like the street view and overhead satellite view just to get a quick look uh, so that I can quote them and save some time uh, f- instead of uh, driving out there to look at it or waiting to when I'm there to uh, you know in the area to look at it if it's still like a week away or something like that. Uh, the next thing uh, that I would say um, is to consider the location. Uh, and that is, uh, where is uh, this house? Is it close to um, other clients? Or do you have to make a special trip uh, for this particular client? Is it in another part of the city uh, where travel time is going to be uh, an issue? I've had uh, properties in the past where, um, you know, a single property uh, could be a 20-minute drive, uh, you know, especially before uh, the years where I started to really focus, uh, you know, down on uh, root density and working just in my uh, particular community. Um, my uh travel time now my actual working area is very very tiny on the neighborhoods uh, that I actually uh, work in and uh, I get calls all the time from people outside uh, of uh, that neighborhood and stuff because they see the truck and trailer so frequently uh, but I don't work in those other areas so consider those locations uh, is there going to be travel time involved like I said uh, years ago I had ones that were um, you know, uh, like a 20 minute drive each way just to do, you know, a house or two houses. Uh, so that's 40 minutes of travel time, uh, to get out there and back, uh, just to cut a couple lawns. You have to take that into consideration because of the fuel, because of the time, uh, it takes, uh, you know, generally, um, you know, when you're driving around, you think that that's unpaid time, but that all has to be considered uh, overall. All those jobs that you're mowing, all those uh, jobs that you're doing, all have to be able to compensate you for all that time that you're sitting in the truck as well. Otherwise, it's not worth it, of course. So consider that location and the travel time. Uh, The next thing uh, sort of related to that as well is root density. Is this a new client in an already established area? Uh, or is it a client that you um, want to, uh, you know, uh, work for in an area uh, that you're trying to build up or that you're trying to add more clients to, uh, to make that uh, particular trip more profitable? These are th- uh, a lot of the things that you need to consider as well, because that may have a bearing on your uh, quoting on whether you want to... Um, <clears throat> you know, increase the price by $5 for uh, a particular, maybe a lawn that you don't really care about. That's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, in an area by itself. And it's, uh, you know, something that you're not too keen on, but you wouldn't, you know, you'd still take on that client versus maybe it's a client that's uh, on a street where you already do three clients. Uh, and uh, maybe it's a corner lot or something like that. And you would normally price that a bit higher, but because you're going to be on that street, 
already servicing, you know, three other houses, uh, maybe you do it for the same price uh, as you do the other ones that aren't corner lots, uh, just so that you can secure it. And <clears throat> because you've got that root density, and you don't have to move the truck, and uh, it just makes it uh, more profitable that way. So considering root density, uh, the next uh, point that I would say is, uh, how big is the property? Of course, uh, this is a huge consideration because, uh, you know, what type of equipment are you going to use on this property? Can you use a large, you know, 60 inch uh, zero turn on this thing? Uh, do you have to use, um, maybe smaller, like 36 inch, uh, stand on mowers, or do you have to, uh, use, uh, like a commercial 30 or a 21 inch, uh, push mower, uh, for the property. So, uh, these are, <clears throat> of course, excuse me, uh, a lot of the things that you're going to have to, uh, consider, uh, when it comes to that property size, uh, is, uh, the type of mower, uh, that you're going to use. So, uh, the other consideration with the mowers is uh, with a property, does it have uh, what sort of access does it have to all parts of the property? I have serviced properties of all different types and scopes, <coughs> excuse me, over uh, the course of uh, my few, uh, you know, 17 year career here uh, mowing lawns. I've had lawns where the entire property is completely wide open, no issue uh, to mow. Uh, I could have fit, you know, bigger mowers if I had them uh, on those properties and could trailer bigger, like 60 inch zero turns and stuff on them. And then I've had properties where uh, even though I am carrying a larger mower, say like a 42 inch mower or something like that, um, which is, you know, a larger mower for me and my business and my area. I still had to use uh, like a 21 inch mower at the time because, um, you know, I just couldn't get that mower on the property uh, because of the geographical uh, sort of nature of the property. I live in an area where there's a lot of hills. Uh, so a lot of times you get to a property and, you know, you look at the front yard and it's like, oh, this will be nice and easy and flat and, and that sort of stuff. And then uh, you open the, the gate to go to the backyard and it's a staircase you know, going down. And it's like, well, that kind of rules out, uh, you know, using, um, you know, a stand on more or the walk behind more or whatever, I'm gonna have to use, uh, you know, a 21 inch more or something like that. And even then it's a struggle to get it back there. So it really, uh, you know, it depends on uh, that because having to depending on your trailer setup, having to load and unload different machines, of course, that's all going to affect how much time you're there. Uh, if you're having to take off a big zero turn, because you can do this one big area, but then you're going to have to put it back, you're going to have to strap it back into the trailer, and then unstrap something else to, uh, you know, mow a different section because it needs, uh, you know, a different mower. For example, I do one right now where I am able to... Um, side discharge the property uh, and uh, the front yard is wide open. It's got a, a hill on it, um, but um, I can get, uh, it's got like two two levels of the front lawn, a lower level and a higher level. There's like a berm or hill 
but with all of my mowers, the, um, you know, the walk behind, even the uh, navigator, I can get up and down uh, that hill, no problem to mow the different sections. And it's been fantastic to be able to just mow and side discharge. Uh, but the customer recently asked me to uh, mow the backyard. Now, when they hired me originally, it was just to mow the front yard because it was much larger than the backyard. They used to mow the whole property themselves, but they're getting older, but they still wanted to be able to do part of the yard themselves. So they have this back lawn that's behind a chain link fence and a a gate and uh, they're uh, push mowing that themselves. And I do the majority of the lawn, the large open front lawn, but they recently um, this year asked me to do both sides uh, because they hurt themselves. They hurt the wrist and uh, they've been having x-rays and all that sort of stuff. And they're still not able to mow. It was originally the first month only uh, actually originally it was just uh, a first cut uh, for the backyard. Then that turned into uh, mowing it uh, every week for the first month. And now it's turned into, uh, you know, at least another second month uh, for here for May and uh, basically just mow it until they tell me to stop. The only problem is, is uh, that gate, that chain link fence uh, is tiny. Uh, I can barely just squeeze the Xmark Commercial 30 through the gate. Uh, and the backyard is actually pretty decent size. It's not as big as the front, but it's pretty decent, uh, even for the commercial 30 to do. So um, uh, it's an interesting one because, you know, I get out there, I do all the trimming, all that sort of stuff. And then I got to unload uh, the uh, commercial 30 now. Uh, I take it to the backyard. I, uh, I'm able to side discharge on that one. So it's kind of interesting with the commercial 30. I take the uh, the side shoot off of it. Um and uh, I just uh, discharge uh, with the bagger off. I don't even put the mulch plug in it uh, to help with the discharge. I just close that flap on the back uh, and uh, let it, uh, you know, do its thing there. And uh, and then once I'm done in the backyard, then I got to go and uh, take that mower back. I got to put it in the trailer, lock it up, and then unload the large uh machine uh, to then mow the the larger uh, front yard. And the interesting thing with this one as well is that the parking is an issue as well because they have this very narrow uh, driveway. It's off a busy road. So if I pull in, then I'm going to have to back out. Um, and it's, you know, a, uh, a lot of obstacles in the way to be able to see uh, if I were to back out the trailer onto a busy road. Uh, so I end up just parking on the busy road and it's a, uh, there happens to be like an intersection and stuff. So I have to park a, a little bit ways away uh, down the road. And then, so I'm grabbing mowers. I'm having to walk uh, a little bit to, to a crosswalk, uh, then to cross the street uh, to then to go to the house and stuff. So you can see how it uh, can seriously affect uh, how long it takes you to do a property. Now, the nice thing, of course, uh, with this one is I had a set price for doing just the front yard. They've asked me to do the backyard. Uh, and even though it's a smaller section of backyard and, uh, you know, I'm having to, because I'm having to push mow the backyard uh, and get a second mower and all that sort of stuff, I'm able to then charge them, um, you know, a second fee. I'm basically charging them double now to do uh, the lawn. Uh, and, uh, they're completely happy with it. Uh, they are always coming out. Uh, in fact, they came out last week and, uh, 
were thanking me again for helping them out and uh, they handed me an envelope uh, that had a hundred dollar tip in it so that was uh, very very nice of them uh, to do that they were just uh, very grateful uh, for me to uh, you know be able to help them out uh, when they're not uh, able to mow because they know how busy um, you know the the lawn care season can be so that is definitely a consideration to think about is uh, do you need multiple mowers uh, when you are doing a, a property like that so uh the next um uh, thing besides uh you know backyard access uh is uh, when you're uh, first looking at a property for the first time is has the lawn been maintained up till this point uh are they just looking for a new service provider have they been able to mow or has it been neglected for months uh because if so then you're going to have to uh give them a quote for the first cut uh to be sort of a tall grass charge uh for that first initial cut to get it under control and then have a separate uh quote for a sort of the ongoing uh maintenance after that uh, of your you know each week the next important thing to look at and, and something that's often overlooked because people look at the, you know, the size of the lawn, how much mowing it takes. Uh, but what's equally important and can take sometimes just as long or even longer than the mowing is how much trimming is involved. Uh, is it just a rectangle? backyard a square backyard that you're just gonna you know go along a fence line and do some uh, some straight trimming on it uh, or is it one that has a lot of complex uh, flower beds uh, a lot of um uh, you know, something like, uh, for example, if you have just a, a straight backyard or a backyard with just like a fence, it's all grass with just a fence and you're just trimming, you know, flat trimming and there's no, you know, uh, edging or anything that's involved there. But if you have like uh, a bunch of garden beds that are all like um, surrounding, you know, along the, say, the perimeters where the fence is and stuff, and you have the lawn going around uh, that, and maybe you've got some areas that are just shaped and scalloped and, and uh, you know, just shaped out so it's not just like a rectangle and stuff, and you're having to now trim around uh, those areas, and then you're going to have to edge all of those uh, garden bed areas and stuff. Well, that's going to take a heck of a lot longer, uh, uh, of time, right? So, you, and you know, what if they have trees in the middle of the lawn and things like that? These are all things uh, that can affect how much of that trimming is involved. I've had houses where, uh, you know, there's almost like an old growth forest uh, in the backyard, uh, except that uh, instead of a forest floor, they have a lawn. Uh, and uh, there's all these massive, uh, just huge cedar trees. And uh, it's just so much trimming involved, having to go around all of these trees, because of course, uh, you know, uh, where the um, tree trunk uh, meets the ground, it's not flat. So you can't really go around that with the mower uh you have to because there's roots and stuff sticking out and that all has to be trimmed uh so paying attention to the trees the other thing with the trees that you have to consider as well that a lot of people overlook is the leaves of those trees are they evergreen trees are they trees that are going to be dropping leaves in the fall because if you don't talk about or have a policy in place when it comes to leaves and leaf cleanup well what happens uh you know starting in uh you know uh october september when the leaves start to drop uh, not so much of an issue in september because you know for the most part uh, it's not too bad but you know once october hits and those leaves start falling 
what do you do with that if you haven't uh, talked to the client? You know, early on in my business, I got, ran into that issue all the time. I wouldn't think about the trees. I'm there looking at the lawn. And then, you know, October rolls around before you know it. The, you show up one day, there's a windstorm or something like that. You get there and the lawn is like covered in leaves. Customers at work, what do you do? Do you not mow it? Do you not clean up the leaves? You know, you obviously can't mow the lawn without cleaning up the leaves without you know, all that sort of stuff so it's one of those things that you have to consider in advance uh, and just having even uh, like I do uh, I have a surcharge in place where if I show up and the leaves are not cleaned up then you know obviously I have to be able to pick up the leaves uh, and if you know uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm doing like a leaf cleanup, but even the fact that if I'm mowing and say I'm using like the navigator, which is vacuuming up the leaves, so it's not really, you know, uh, labor intensive for me, but it's still taking longer uh, for, you know, con- versus, you know, when I'm just mowing the lawn. So that has to be compensated. So there is, uh, you know, a leaf cleanup surcharge uh, for times like that. So uh, that is another thing that you have to uh, think about um, when it comes to looking at properties. The next thing uh, that I always uh, am aware of when I'm walking properties and looking is uh, hills, uh, uh, ground condition, uh, and uh, whether uh, the lawn is a manicured type lawn or if it's just like a really rough uh, type lawn. So hills, of course, that is going to then affect, you know, the equipment that you're using, what kind of equipment that you're using. Are you able to, um, you know, put uh, a piece of equipment on there? I've, you know, I've got properties where there's lots of hills and berms and stuff, and it's not an issue if I have like 36 inch turf tracer walk behind with me. That thing is like a billy goat. It'll climb hills uh, and mow uh, without issue. It'll mow hills and stick to hills that uh, are, you know, as I'm doing them behind, I'm having a hard time. Uh, you know, staying behind the machine and the machine is like stuck on there like glue versus, uh, you know, uh, w- with like the star stand on more, the little 32 inch star stand on more with the little skinny wheels on it the slightest little hill uh, with that and it had a difficult time uh, holding on uh, because again those tires are so skinny uh, and then you have the your weight on it and all that sort of stuff it was it was a tough um, uh, you know thing to try to maneuver a 32 inch stand on mower on a hill uh, is never going to do well regardless of what brand it is versus uh, you know something with much larger uh, surface area on the tires. Uh, so, you know, hills and things are definitely a consideration. You know, you might get into hills where even a push mower or something is, is not going to work, uh, because of the incline, because of damage that you could do with the oil. Uh, if it doesn't have like an oil pump or anything to pump, uh, you know, uh, oil through the motor, you could do a lot of damage if you're trying to uh, do certain angles of hills, uh, uh with the machine. So you're going to have to then trim it. Uh, and uh, that, of course, is going to take a lot longer to do. So, you know, lots of considerations. For me, ground condition, what I mean by that is because we have so much rain here, uh, you know, there's times where uh, water can sit uh, for a long 
long time. Uh, I remember, and I think I've told the story uh, once before, in one of the houses that I purchased, uh, my first house uh, that I bought, I went to see it. And I remember this specifically because uh, we ended up having some water issues uh, going into the crawl space of this house uh, once uh, the fall hit. But we had seen this house uh, in November and I believe it was November uh, when we went to first look at this house to buy. And I remember walking the backyard, but I made a mental note that, hey, you know, it hadn't rained in like 30 days. It was like a really odd November. It was like so dry. Uh, just it, it just hadn't rained. It was very, very strange. But I remember walking on the back lawn and it was still kind of squishy. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of, uh, you know kind of weird that you know we haven't had rain in so long and uh, which is very unusual yet this backyard is still kind of squishy right so then after we you know um bought the house and the home inspector you know didn't find any large issues or anything with the house and then you know once uh you know we had our first really big you know heavy uh rainstorm happen and you know, come to see that, you know, there was obviously some issues with the drainage around the house and water was coming into the house. It was like, oh, like that should have been a red flag for me. So, uh, you know, ground condition is one of those things that I look out for, because of course, it can determine if I'm taking on a property, a large property, uh, in particular, a large property where I'm relying on quoting based on using something like the navigator uh, then um, or the turf tracer or something like that. Uh, but then, you know, it's going to hold uh, water uh, for a long time, then that becomes a major issue because then, of course, I can't use that machine uh, if I'm showing up. So, uh, you know, an example of that is uh, one of the houses that I frequently do um, each week uh, has, uh, over the past years, uh, it has actually uh, gotten worse in ground conditions uh, with that one. Uh, for some, whatever reason, when I first started doing it, I was able to mow all the time uh, with the turf tracer while I stood on the sulky, uh, even during like the rain happening, it was not an issue, never an issue over the past few years. Uh, there's just been, uh, you know, and I've talked about how much rain and stuff we've gotten. Uh, it seems like a lot more, but it's just one of those ones now where, you know, when I'm showing up now, if it's raining, then, you know, I can't mow that lawn on the turf tracer. Like if I'm standing on the sulky, I have to walk behind, uh, the machine just to save that weight. Uh, and, uh, for the most part, I can get through most of the property without an issue. There's a couple of trouble areas. And so now, you know, I can get there and be like, okay, now if it's raining, I definitely have to now trim this area with the weed whacker, just do this whole area trimming and then walk behind the walk behind on this without the sulky. Uh, and uh, it will stay soft for a long time. So there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, considerations uh, for me when I'm looking at a property like that, because we're in that sort of climate where, uh, you know, if it's still soggy um, and squishy uh, and it's, you know, a sunny day when I'm out there quoting, then I know I'm going to have some issues and I have to take that into consideration in 
the amount of time it's going to take me. Because of course, when you're quoting a customer, you're not giving them a variable price. You're not saying, hey, if it's sunny and this, it's this much. If it's rainy and this, it's this much. If it's, you know, of course not. You're giving them one price. This is how much it's going to cost. So you want to take into consideration, you know, what is the, those times for me, it rains here all the time and all that stuff. So more often than not, I'm going to have to be in that situation where I'm trimming that portion of lawn and then having to walk behind them more. And then on days where, you know, uh, it's drier and the ground is firm and I can just take this, uh, turf tracer out there with the sulky and ride and it's way faster, then it's like a bonus because I've based my price based on those worst conditions, not on the optimal conditions. Uh, so then uh, it works out uh, better for me in that uh, regard. The next thing that I'm looking at uh, is uh, toys, trampolines, playground structures and dogs. Uh, so these are uh, some of those things that uh, can really uh, affect uh, how much time it takes you. If, you know, uh, you get out there and uh, they have lots of small children and they're playing with toys and stuff like that, and they're just leaving them all scattered all over the lawn, then, you know, this is something you're going to have to deal with each time. So whether you are uh, having to pick up all that stuff or whether you have a policy in place to say, hey, make sure that all the toys and, you know, whatever the case may be, patio furniture, whatever is on the lawn is cleared off the lawn. Uh, on uh, mowing day, otherwise, you know, uh, there's going to be a surcharge for that. Trampolines, <clears throat> that's a common one. Uh, that I've seen over the years is that people will set up a trampoline, uh, you get out there and all of a sudden, uh, what was a, you know, perfectly open, clear lawn now has a trampoline on it. And now they expect you to get out there and move the trampoline. And I've had ones of, again, because where I'm at, it's wet and rainy. Uh, kids are jumping on it. That ground is soft. It starts to kind of dig into the soil a bit. Uh, and then, you know, they, they're expecting you to move it. And, you know, I'm a solo operator. I go out there. I'm trying to yank this, you know, 15 foot trampoline uh, that's stuck in the mud, basically. And, uh, you know, you can easily pull your back and and, uh, and do some serious uh, harm. And it's not worth it. So, you know, for me, that was another thing that I learned early on that it was something that I didn't quote for originally that now I just put in place that, hey, you know what? Uh, don't even move trampolines anymore. So if your trampoline is in the lawn and you want it mowed, you're going to have to move it. So and we will alternate each week. So if it's uh, you can either come out if you're home halfway through and move it while I'm mowing. I've had customers do that. They'll they hear the mower. You know, I mow part of the lawn and then they're coming down waiting for me. And uh, when I'm getting close to it, then they move the trampoline themselves to where I just mowed and then I mow the rest. Or uh, the easiest thing that I do is um, in that situation, uh, besides encouraging them to like put the trampoline in a, you know, build a playground sort of box around it with, you know, bark mulch or something like that. So it doesn't have to be mowed underneath, um, is that, uh, you know, I just leave the trampoline, I will mow around it. And then, you know, next week when I arrive, that customer will have moved the trampoline to the other side. 
So usually like the day before or the morning of, they move the trampoline, um, which then exposes, you know, sort of the taller grass that was under the trampoline. I then mow that week, which, you know, then balances it out. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that other side stays uh, for that week. Uh, and uh, that has worked as well. But the communication part of that is the key is just having that uh, sort of upfront and ready to know what you're going to do about uh, that situation when you encounter uh, that. Uh, again, playground structures. You know, I've had ones, um, again, where they have sort of like those uh, playground structures where it has, you know, the, the the slide and the swings and all that stuff. And you have those ones that are like wooden um, that people buy and they put together uh, and they have like a little platform on top and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, really cute playground structure for the kids. But if they just put those right on the lawn, then there's a lot of trimming involved, you know, trimming underneath the swings, around the poles uh, that hold uh, the structure up underneath the slide. Um, you know, there was one I had that had sort of like the rope climbing wall and stuff on it. So all the grass underneath was growing quite uh, healthy because sunlight was easily getting through that sort of rope ladder uh, type of uh, uh, netting structure, whatever that was. Uh, but you know, it was a, a bit of a pain to get under there and have to try to trim it and all that stuff because it couldn't get a mower under there. Uh, so that all takes, a, you know, a heck of a lot of time. I have some where, you know, they kind of tuck it in the corner, um, which is, you know, it's, that's fine. Um, cause they, you know, they want to, you know, keep it out of the way. Uh, but you know, the, the space between, the, the sort of A-frame that holds up the playground structure to, you know, the wall or they had like garden beds with like retaining walls was too small to even fit the 21-inch mower. So now you have this whole area behind this, you know, corner uh, sort of L-shaped spot uh, where the playground structure is and you can't even fit a 21-inch mower in between there. Uh, so now that, that has to be all uh, trimmed around. Uh, so lots of different things uh, to be, uh, you know, constantly alert and looking at. The other thing that is, of course, going to affect your pricing is the mowing frequency. What is your policy on the mowing frequency? Are you going to be uh, mowing uh, every week? Are you doing every two weeks? Are you doing 10-day cuts? What's your policy on that? Uh, you know, in the beginning, I learned quite quickly that 10-day uh, cuts are completely useless uh, in terms of profitability and uh, trying to keep root density and all that sort of stuff. So I uh, quickly uh, took those off of my uh, services list. Uh, I did uh, weekly and uh, bi-weekly every two weeks for a while. And then even the bi-weekly ones, I was like, nope. Uh, especially where I live in the wet climate and stuff where, you know, I have to be able to mow in the rain. Uh, you know, the biggest issue I found was that, uh, and this is, you know, still what I'll tell people when they ask, uh, if they do ask for a biweekly cut is that, you know what, it doesn't work because of the rain we get. You know, if I have you on the schedule or don't have you on the schedule one week because you're on a two week cut. And, but it's a beautiful sunny day. And, and, you know, I'm coming out here, I'm mowing your neighbor's lawns and stuff, but I'm not mowing yours. And then next week is your mowing day, but now it's pouring rain. I have no issue cutting your neighbor's lawns because they were cut on a weekly basis. But now your lawn hasn't been cut in uh, two weeks. And I'm supposed to come out here and mow this, you know, in the middle of the rain. 
it just doesn't work. Every lawn has to be cut on a weekly basis where I'm at. So that's uh, where I have adopted that policy and there's no uh, exceptions to that rule. The next uh, thing that you will have to be uh, thinking of uh, when you're um, you know, going to be uh, pricing out uh, jobs is how will clippings be handled? Are you able to side discharge your properties? Uh, because of course, you know, handling the clippings is a, a big um, part of uh, the lawn mowing. So if you're able to uh, side discharge clippings, can you do that in one pass and leave it? Or is it going to require a double cut or a triple cut at certain times of the year? Um, you know, what is your um, uh, sort of strategy to handle that? Are you, uh, you know, or is it uh, like in a case like uh, where I am, where bagging is what's predominantly done? And if so, what are you doing with the grass clippings? Are you going to take the grass clippings away if you're bagging? Or is there a place on site to facilitate uh, uh, the where those clippings go? So for me, I don't take uh, clippings with me. Uh, every house here has a, a yard waste bin that the city picks up every uh, week on garbage day. So all grass clippings, green waste, leaves, branches, all that sort of stuff can go into those bins. Uh, so I just dump into those bins. I have no um, worries about having to take grass clippings away. I don't have to you know, throw them in the back of the truck or trailer or anything like that. But there's a lot of companies around me that do, that they still will take clippings away. They just see it as sort of a value added uh, sort of thing so that the customer doesn't uh, have to deal with it. That comes at a cost, of course. Uh, for me... I don't have any issues. Uh, I've never had any issues telling customer that I'm not taking clippings away because that's uh, literally what they're expecting is that the clippings will stay, uh, you know, in their yard waste bin or, uh, you know, that sort of thing. I have customers who have uh, compost uh, piles or bins uh, and they want me to put it in their piles or bins. Um, I've even had uh, customers where in the past... Um, like the, the one that comes to mind, uh, it was quite a large property, which worked out really well. Uh, the neighbor um, hat was really into gardening, loved gardening, was always out in the garden. And he uh, randomly uh, flagged me down. And this was when I was using, uh, I had the, it was years ago, I had the walker uh, GHS mower. So very similar to the navigator that I have now. Uh, so it was, uh, bagging all the clippings and I uh, had those, uh, the grass bins, the same as I have, uh, for the navigator now. And, uh, he asked me if I was fertilizing the lawn or putting any chemicals on it. And I said, no, nope, I'm just, you know, straight mow. They don't want anything done to the lawn. Um, and I think it had like lots of dandelions and stuff. And I was like, as you can tell by the dandelions and all that sort of stuff. And then he asked me, oh, what are you doing with all the clippings? And I said, oh, I'm just putting them in the yard waste bins for the city. And he said, oh, do you mind just dumping the clippings over the fence? Are you able to do that? Uh, and just putting and he like showed me like a location that he had like a wire sort of uh, on his side of the fence. It had like a wire um, mesh sort of bin set up that he made. Um, 
and because he wanted the compost, he wanted the clipping. So I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. I could do that. So, you know, no sweat off my back. I'm having to dump it in the bin anyways. I can just dump it over the fence. It wasn't a very high fence. Um, so it worked out quite well. I would mow this lawn. I would back up to the fence, uh, open the hopper, pull out uh, each individual bin, and then just dump them over the fence into his little uh, bin that he had set up. Uh, and he was like, uh, you know, he always called it black gold, right? Like uh, that uh, uh, the compost uh, was fantastic. So, um, you know, there's lots of different uh, uh you know, ways and things. And of course, with me, the benefit with that was, uh, although it wasn't really a benefit because I was already, um, uh, you know, thinking about having to dump into bins anyway. So when I quoted that one, uh, so this was just uh, dumping it in a different location where other uh, properties that I have, they're like, hey, just back up and dump it in this pile. Uh, you know, we'll make the compost and all that sort of stuff. So what is your plan for clippings? Uh, and then, of course, uh, mulching and all that sort of stuff as well. But again, with mulching and stuff, um, depending on where you're at, what the conditions are, uh, will you have to double cut? Uh, you know, do you have to run the mower slower uh, to facilitate uh, you know mulching? For me, because everybody here is so used to uh, bagging and bagging is just so clean looking, uh, of course, because it's removing the clippings. Um, it's one of the reasons why I can mow in the rain because, uh, I bag the clippings, um, versus, uh, you know, to get that same clean look, um, with mulching, you know, I find that I have to go a lot slower, uh, to allow the mower to be able to sort of have that same look. And then of course there's, um, you know, if they have pets and things like that, then, uh, you know, those pets are carrying clippings, the mulch clippings are getting on the fur, it's going in the house. Uh, so there's a lot of different considerations uh, to think about, uh, you know, how you want to handle clippings in your uh, lawn care business. Uh, next up for me, of course, is how is parking? Uh, so in the dense city, parking is always an issue for me. Uh, there's properties where it's not a problem. I can pull up all the time, always have parking in other properties uh, that I go to in those tiny little neighborhoods which for me uh, tend to be some of the most profitable uh, because they're small little uh, properties uh, and you're in and out quick. Um, but parking uh, can be an issue. You can get out there and, you know, you got a truck and trailer and all that sort of stuff uh, in these dense little neighborhoods you sometimes don't have parking. And if you're going to that specific neighborhood, it can kind of throw stuff off. And, you know, there's lots of times where I have to park farther away, uh, wherever I can get a spot and then walk to the house uh, with the equipment. So, you know, that is something to I'm always looking at. I'm always scanning uh, that. So the other thing, uh, kind of one of the last sort of things that I look at uh, overall uh, generally is, uh, is there a PETA factor, a uh, pain in the, you know what I'm saying, factor uh, that you have to weigh in uh, for the property? This could be the client itself. Is it a client who, you know, maybe you talk to them, maybe you met them, maybe they're asking you a million questions, maybe they're uh, always uh uh, you know, uh, wanting more information, wanting, you know, just, uh, you can always get sort of that feeling from people. 
Uh, is the the property a pain? Um, you know, is it a lumpy, bumpy property? Again, you know, with that ground conditions uh, you look at, is it going to be something like that? Is the parking, uh, again, something like that? Uh, that all kind of contributes to that uh uh, pain uh, factor, uh, that pain in the rear factor uh, that you might uh, want to consider uh, as well. And uh, the next thing is, uh, how does that property compare uh, in your experience, even if it's limited experience, even if you've never mowed, um, you know, a lawn for somebody else before, uh, have you mowed your own lawn? Uh, can you base how long it takes you to mow your own lawn when you're just starting out? Uh, you know, how is it comparable in size and trimming and all that sort of stuff to say this customer's lawn? Cause that's a good starting off point because what you're going to be doing is you're going to take in all these considerations, like, uh, how you're handling clippings because, of course, uh, you know, if you're side discharging, it's going to take a little bit less time than if you're bagging because bagging, of course, at some point the bag fills, you have to stop, you have to empty that bag, you know, that's added time. So what you're doing essentially is you're taking that step one, the knowing your numbers and having your profitable hourly rate, what it costs you to do business, what you need to charge. You're going to be walking these properties. You're going to be scanning for all of these um, things that I've been uh, talking about uh, over this past hour, uh, you know, the access, the hills, the ground conditions, how much trimming, how much edging, uh, the parking, all that sort of stuff. And for each of those things, you're imagining yourself kind of going through your head based on your experience of the past lawns you have mowed and giving your best estimate of how long it's going to take you to do this particular lawn. Of course, when you're starting out, this is going to be very limited experience. And uh, this is where, you know, uh, you may not price things properly, despite your best efforts, because you're not sure how much time it takes. This is where you have to constantly adjust and raise your prices each year to make sure uh, that you are, um, you know, uh, using all of that data that you're collecting to make uh, the best decisions uh, based uh, for your pricing. Uh, of course, uh, you know, looking, uh, those toys, trampolines, all that sort of stuff, uh, dogs, dog waste, um, you know, all things to consider on how long this is going to take mowing frequency. Of course, me mowing weekly takes me a lot less time than, uh, me mowing biweekly because, uh, you know, I don't have to, uh, empty the bag as often because I'm bagging clippings. If I'm not mowing as much clippings each week versus every two weeks, I'd, you know, be stopping more often. So there's all these little considerations that, uh, you're putting together, you're coming up with how long you think this job is going to take you with, you know, travel time, all that sort of stuff, putting it all together times your, you know, profitable hourly rate that you've come up with after knowing all your numbers, all that sort of stuff. And that's how you're coming up with a price uh, for uh, these jobs for, you know, what this lawn mowing uh, estimate will uh, do. So another sort of uh, strategy that I use and I know I'm kind of running along here, uh, but uh, one of the things I wanted to um, sort of point out to one of the things that I like doing is, uh, for one, I never give customers prices over the phone. Uh, I never give customers price 
I get text messages sometimes asking pe- people saying, "Hey, I live in this area. What's it cost to mow, uh, you know, my lawn?" And it's like, well, you know, I haven't seen the lawn. I need to look at it. I always say every house is different, uh, and I need to look at it. Uh, but even when I'm there and I'm meeting a customer in person and I'm walking the property, I will never tell them the price right there uh, off the bat because inevitably. Uh, if the customer is there with you, it puts some, uh, pressure on you and it puts you, uh, kind of makes you, it can make you nervous, uh, make you sort of not really think, um, of all of those, uh, sort of aspects. So what I do always is I always take photos of the property as I'm walking along it. Of course, now, it completely depends. Like I said in the beginning, if this is a property, a neighbor's lawn uh, of a customer that I already mow uh, or you know, two doors down or three doors down or on a certain street uh, because I know that they're all cookie cutter, even though I haven't seen what's in their backyard, I know that they're so small that it doesn't really matter. It's not going to make much difference. In those cases, I can quote um, based on you know those lawns that I'm already doing in that neighborhood because I know it's going to be very similar. But in other cases where it's a larger property, you know, bigger backyards, that sort of stuff where, yes, you know, if I'm mowing one guy's house and, uh, you know, he's just got a straight backyard with no, you know, uh, edging or anything required in the backyard. But then this next person has like pathways and, you know, ponds and uh, trees and garden beds and all this stuff. And it's like, man, there's like at least... 20 minutes trimming back there uh, to do. Well, that's going to affect the price greatly. So, you know, I never quote the price uh, like that. I always take photos and I always just tell them uh, for two reasons that I will email them uh, the quote. I never tell them verbally what the quote will be. I would say uh, I will email you uh, the quote and let me put it together. And uh, I always say, cause I, you know, want to have it in writing and uh I will go out and uh, uh, quote, even if that means that I just go out to the truck uh, before I leave and send them the quote right away. Uh, at least I'm uh, by myself. I can think through it. I can look at the photos uh, that I've taken, gather my thoughts, put my price together, and then email it to them. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the second reason for that, uh, just not feeling, you know, being under that pressure of having the customer beside you, but you have that uh, sort of added benefit that now it's in writing and now they have to respond to you uh, in writing, uh, whether they want you to go ahead or not, which then, you know, keeps a record of uh, that job. And also it gives you the opportunity to have all of your policies laid out uh, in that email quote. Uh, So you don't have to remember to tell them about, hey, uh, you know, in the fall when the leaves are falling, it's going to cost extra for this. Hey, there's a fuel surcharge that we're going to have to deal with. Hey, your trampoline needs to be moved each week. Hey, uh, if there's dog waste on the lawn, it's going to, you know, there's going to be an animal waste surcharge, uh, you know, uh, all those sorts of things uh, that you want to uh, get across to the customer. Uh, you want to have that stuff in writing so that there's no surprises and no issues on their part. Um, you know, your cancellation policy, all that sort of stuff uh, that can uh, play a large part. So uh, that's why I always tell them the quote. Uh, 
that I will quote them uh, in an email because I want that response in writing. Uh, if I tell them, oh, you're, you know, it'll be like 50 bucks. And they say, okay, that sounds good. Go ahead. And then I say, oh, okay, well, let me just email you. Then it's kind of weird, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to email you all the things, but, you know, I still want you to respond to me again. So I just, I don't even get into that situation. I just tell them I'll email you the quote and then you can let me know whether you want me to go ahead or not. Much simpler that way, because now I just email them. I have a form set up. I just have a note on my phone uh, that uh, I have uh, set up that says, hey, as per your request, came by, looked at your property, here's your quote. And I have a a bunch of services like mowing, edging, trimming, all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, Sorry, uh, fertilizer, lime, aeration, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, if they're looking for all of that stuff, then I already have it all laid out. And I've got sort uh, sort of my average pricing already filled out in that form. And then it goes on to tell me all of the um, policies, everything that I talked about, trampoline moving, dog waste, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff that you'd want to have um, in there. And then it just tells the customer, hey, to, they can respond if they have any questions uh, or if they want to go ahead. You know, the fact that I need their credit card number, everything is explained there. Uh, and I just copy and paste it into an email. And the only thing I need to do is just change the prices of uh, those jobs if those prices are applicable. If they're looking for only mowing, for example, and I've got like aerations and all that sort of stuff listed there, then I just delete those lines quickly and just leave the mowing. Um, and, you know, it just makes it very, very simple. Sometimes I've got to add something different. Like if that first cut needs, you know, tall grass, then I'll just add a line. Say, hey, uh, tall grass and all that stuff. But I don't have to worry about all the policies. All that stuff is there written. I send it off to them. And now when they respond, then, you know, I'm getting a yes or no in writing as a reply to that original email. It also says in that email, that original email is at the end of the policy is that, um, you know, there's a cancellation policy, all that sort of stuff laid out there. But it also says that, uh, you know, acceptance of this quote is all ex- is also acceptance of all the policies stated above. Uh, so they're accepting the fact that there's a cancellation policy. They're accepting the fact that I'm going to charge them if there's leaves on the lawn. They're that uh, I'm going to charge them if there's dog waste on the lawn, uh, that uh, they understand that I'm not moving the trampoline. Like all that stuff is laid out in writing, makes it very, very simple to do. So those are all of uh, the things uh, that over the past 17 years, I have, uh, you know, developed uh, and thought about um you know, uh, as I've gone uh, and looked at uh, properties to quote. And like I say, a lot of them are are things that uh, over the years, every year, like I would add something or I would get into a situation where, um, you know, I would, uh, you know, find myself like, oh, you know, shoot, I didn't have anything talking about the trees and the leaves, uh, you know, what happens in the fall. So then, you know, when I got into that situation, it was like, well, now I just showed up at a property, the property's covered in leaves. I never actually talked to this customer about this situation. What do I do here? Do I mow it? Do I not mow it? So then immediately, you know, I added that to that quote form. And then, you know, every estimate after that always had that clause in there. Uh, last year, uh, I added the cancellation policy. I've never had a cancellation policy until last year, but I just found that I was getting calls 
from people. Um, you know, I was doing only weekly cuts and all that sort of stuff, and that was fine. But then I'd get customers where, um, you know, they'd call me about right now, this time of year, the lawn hasn't been mowed since, you know, uh, maybe the summertime last year, they, you know, kind of give up on it after summer and kids go back to school and all that sort of stuff. And then the weather starts to turn nasty. They don't mow the lawn anymore. Um, nobody's going out to the backyard, all that sort of stuff. So then they hire you right now and, uh, you go through like April and maybe part of May. And then, you know, the summer starts to warm up and the lawn starts to slow down and they're like, Oh yeah, we don't need your services anymore. It's like, well, Hello, like, you know, all of the calls uh, or majority of calls for lawn mowing come in, uh, you know, April and May, for example. Uh, and there's only a limited amount of customers uh, that I can do solo. So if I am, you know, taking one of those empty spots that I may have and um, committing to doing their property uh, and then... <clears throat> They're canceling service a month in or six weeks in after the lawn kind of, uh, you know, finishes its initial sort of growth surge, uh, you know, but at the same time now, you know, all lawns are experiencing that. So, you know, the amount of calls for weekly mowing uh, or people looking for mowing obviously declines uh, as you get past the spring. So it's like, well, now, you know, you've taken up that spot. And, uh, you know, I've said yes to you. And once my schedule is full, I'm then saying no to everybody else. But those people could have been people that were looking for a spot, you know, for all year. Uh, so, you know, I got into myself into a situation uh, a couple times like that where, you know, I commit to somebody. I'd say, you know, I'm going to do their lawn, put them on schedule. And then they're canceling after a month or, or six weeks uh, after, you know, that initial growth. And now I'm stuck with an empty spot that uh, takes sometimes, uh, you know, a few months to, to fill until you find the, the right customer uh, to fill that spot that's, you know, wants the weekly mowing and all that sort of things, right? So it's one of those uh, things. So I added a cancellation policy last year, first time uh, in uh, the years, you know, 16 years before uh, that I was doing uh, lawn mowing, that I never had a cancellation policy. Now I have a cancellation policy where it's like, yeah, you can cancel, um, but you know, your mowing is based on, uh, you know, me mowing for the full season. Um, you know, if you are canceling because your house is for sale and it sells, um, and I'm mowing it right up to the, uh, you know, tra property transfer date, then I don't charge you a cancellation policy. It is what it is. People sell their houses. No big deal. If you're canceling service after the season ends, you know, I mow until like, um, say Halloween and you're deciding that you want to cancel in the off season between, uh, you know, uh, November and March, uh, you want to do it yourself, you want to, you know, thing and I always give people the option, or you're moving or whatever the case may be, there's no cancellation, uh, you know, charge. But if, uh, you know, you're hiring me, and I'm starting in March, and then, you know, end of, uh, or midway through May, and now you want to cancel service, well, now there's going to be a cancellation charge. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, of course, you're, you, it could take a few months for me to fill that spot again. And that's basically uh, what I'm uh, charging, right? I'm charging sort of a, a minimum uh, set price, uh, my minimum um, job price uh, for a couple months uh, worth of, uh, so basically eight services of a couple months worth uh, as a cancellation policy. 
um, so to basically, or no, that's not right. Uh, a month. For, <laughs> I'm charging them a month uh, of basically uh, four mo's uh, as a cancellation policy uh, to uh, basically give myself uh, that time uh, to fill that spot again. Um, and uh, because it doesn't always uh, come as quick as it does in the spring, where you know it's feast or famine, you're getting a whole bunch of uh, calls coming in at, at once that you're turning down work. Uh, in in terms of uh, you know those uh, people looking for those uh, you know weekly mows and all that sort of stuff for regular service basically, whereas the rest of the year it obviously uh, it's you still get them but it, it slows down. So that basically, if that person's taking up that spot, then uh, and they're trying to cancel, then you know it's going to cost them a little bit uh, extra. Uh, to not do that, but that's all laid out in that quote, and uh, them accepting it in writing is sort of your proof there, right? And then on top of that, you know, everything uh, that I do is credit card on file. So uh, if they do cancel and they've accepted that quote, uh, then, you know, I automatically put that charge through uh, on their last bill on top of all of uh, uh, the stuff, uh, the thing, I automatically uh, charge their credit card uh, for that. So uh, that is uh, basically my thought process on, uh, you know, uh, what uh, it is uh, that I charge uh, or how I come up uh, with uh, the pricing uh, for lawn mowing jobs. Uh, and like I say, just developed uh, all of those uh, sort of um, uh, tips and uh, uh, scenarios and stuff just based on real world experience uh, over the past 17 years uh, mowing lawns here uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so hopefully you guys got a ton of value uh, out of that. Uh, this has gone a lot longer than I expected uh, uh, for this particular episode, but like I said, just uh, I had a ton of notes uh, written here. Uh, just wanted to make sure uh, that I'm giving you guys a ton of value uh, in this episode because it's something that uh, a lot of you guys uh, ask for and and just don't uh, you know understand uh, what exactly is involved uh, when uh, you know it's a lot more elaborate uh, than uh, what uh, it, uh, it could normally uh, you know uh, what people think. Uh, lawn mowing is very simple and that sort of stuff, but there's a lot more to it uh, than that uh, if you want to actually uh, be profitable uh, in this business. So uh, if you guys are uh, interested, I think I've mentioned before, um, uh, the uh, that quote uh, form that I use, uh, the exact one that I use in my lawn care business, um, I have a free PDF uh, of that uh, that you can download. Uh, if you join my mailing list, you can go to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com uh, and just... Uh, you know, enter your email address uh, in the top and bottom. I think there's about a couple of spots to join the mailing list. Uh, you don't have to worry about spam and stuff. I don't even think I've sent out an email in my email list uh, for a long time, but it's just the easy way to, uh, you know, be able to get uh, a PDF like that out to people. Uh, I won't say I won't email you because eventually at some point I will uh, email uh, people on that mail, mail list. But the point is you're not getting spammed uh, if uh, you do uh, join the mail list. Uh, and then also I may put together a checklist um, and uh, of uh, all these points uh, that I've talked about. And maybe put that uh, available uh, for you guys uh, that are interested. I'll put that on the Lawn Care Business Success Academy uh, in uh, sort of like the document section um, where I have uh, the landscape uh, maintenance contract, uh, the eight-page uh, landscape maintenance uh, uh, agreement contract there. 
that people can purchase and download, as well as uh, the employee handbook uh, that people can uh, purchase. And uh, I think there's uh, a couple of other uh, downloadable documents uh, that you guys uh, can purchase and uh, get uh, downloads to. So I will put that uh, together um Actually, uh, what I'll do is I'll put uh, uh, the tips uh, for quoting lawn mowing jobs. I'll put a document together along with that other um, uh, email template uh, that I use uh, from that mailing list. So if you don't want to join the mailing list, if you'd rather not do that uh, and you just want to get uh, the document instead, uh, I'll put that together with the tips for uh, quoting lawn mowing jobs document all together in one document that you guys can, uh, for a nominal fee, just download and uh, and go about it that way uh, as well. Uh, so uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now. <laughs>